Hi, my name's Harry and welcome to Passing Through a Vegan Door podcast. For those of you on the edge of your seat, wondering, wow, where's that name come from? I'll tell you where that name comes from. Passing through a screen door is one of my favorite ever songs in the world by the greatest band of all time, The Wonder Years. I, you've, you've obviously heard of them. They're probably one of the biggest bands in the whole world right now. And... This podcast is all about the wonder years. All that vegan stuff, it was just a ruse. Ruse? Is that how you say that word? I'm not too sure. But it was just a lie to get you here, just so I can talk about the wonder years. No, I'm joking, but I, I would do that. I, I might just start a side um, side podcast all about the wonder years, if, if, anyone's, if, if anyone's interested in that. If you enjoyed the music, which I'm sure you did, I made it myself. I spent ages trying to find, um, like, good introduction music for a podcast that's free. You know, I'm not all about that stealing music, you know, copyright life. I don't want to go to jail. I'm still very young. Um, So I made it myself just on GarageBand, and I just cut clips from some of my favourite vegan interview moments that stick in my head um and i thought that was pretty funny this podcast is for vegans to kind of share in what is the wholesome experience of a vegan lifestyle um and kind of you know what comes along with that is the logistics of it but also the mental strain it can have on you personally you know when i first became vegan my initial emotions were, you know, wow, how can people be going about their everyday lives when this horrific stuff is going on? And, you know, we're, we're buying into it every day, you know, we're, we're encouraging it, we're, we're telling those people who are killing those cows, wow, go on, you can do it, I support you, I will fund your activity, and I will buy the byproducts of that activity on the daily basis in my weekly shop and I think that was the worst part and you know I understand there's a lot of bad things going on in the world but this is an issue that we can have a direct impact on you know right now and these emotions kind of led me to start to resent the people that I care about and it was difficult you know I resented them for for not making the changes that I was you know when you first become vegan and I think that's kind of the the stereotypical vegan that you think about, they're very angry, in your face, and they make you feel guilty. And people don't like feeling guilty. And I was that person. Why are we not all angry? That's that's how I felt. It is difficult to, to comprehend those emotions when you when you start getting into it because it can be upsetting and it can be isolating. So in order to, to move past that, I, I had to rationalise other people's actions for my own benefit because I thought like that at one point 
and and that's how you kind of get through that. But also, I w- I would love for this to be a podcast for non-vegans as well, and I think that's even more important to talk about. You know, you may have no idea about it, or you may have never given it a second thought when you know you're buying your chippy tea on a Friday after work, or you you might be curious as to how you can make a difference, and it can be overwhelming to think, oh, how can I make any sort of impact in 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 this kind of industry but it's important to realize that small changes do make a big difference i'll i'll most likely mention this a few times in the podcast but the most powerful things we have at our disposal our voices our actions as well as the money in our pocket so for example if i stopped paying a company to shoot pandas in the face. They would have no incentive to continue to shoot pandas in the face. Hopefully it will be an insight into why we choose to make these changes and why it's important to be aware of the exploitation that you know we work so hard to avoid and prevent. You might be... You might go into Subway one day and you see a big sign that said, look out, new vegan products are on our menu today. And you could be thinking, oh God, why can't I just eat my meat, mega meat sub in peace? That's all I want to do. Or, you know, you might actually work in Subway and you start your shift, you know, oh God, a bit hungover. And your manager comes in and says, yeah, Greg, it's called Greg. Here's the new four vegan products that are being launched today. You got to learn how to hold them, how to move them about, so there's no cross contamination. You've got to know what's in them. You've got to upsell them. You've got to shove it down Subway customers' throats, and that's you know that's what you're gonna do. And you know you can't be bothered because you get paid minimum wage. And oh god, vegans, they're everywhere. Um, but I think it's, it's easy to criticize without knowing anything about it. It's harder to criticize and avoid the inevitable moral dilemma you face when you understand the role that humans play in the harm of animals every single day. And I think this is where a lot of people's journey to veganism begins, just in, in my um, personal experience anyway. I, I never stopped liking the taste of a Big Mac. You know, flipping heck, I used to love a double cheeseburger. I used to get one on the daily. Maybe not on the daily, but on the regular. I used to love it. It was more I started to question the implications of how spending 99p on a saver menu can end the life of an animal. How come I would come home to my dog who is the result of years of breeding so I can look after him, yet I'm putting another animal in the oven at 200 degrees. Again, the result of years of breeding just so I can eat it. How come we wean ourselves off our mother's milk as a baby to become dependent on another animal's milk that is so genetically different and and detrimental to our to our bodies and to the animal itself it makes you wonder why 
there's an entire glass and a half in every Cadbury's bar. Do you remember that advert? I mean, does anyone even think about how much a glass and a half is? Chimpanzee milk is one of the closest genetically similar milks to our own, yet to think of, you know, a big factory with chimpanzees in cages and they've got tubes on the nipples ready to take the milk when they've just had a baby and they've got that baby to feed, you know, you'd be calling the RSPCA before you could fill half a glass. This is because it's easier to exploit and breed cows. You know the RSPCA have actually issued guidelines in killing a mother cow as sufficiently as possible, just as it's giving birth. Uh, You know, for anyone interested, I think they're only allowed to use a certain type of blade or hammer. I don't even know. I couldn't get through it. But the point is, it's it exists, okay? You know, it was someone's job to write the guidelines of humanely killing things. You know, yet the RSPCA, they're calling the police when someone slaps the cat. Okay, you know, this is what speciesism is. And I'll cover that in a future episode. I've always had it in the back of my mind about, you know, trying to live a vegan life. Um, You know, I'd always been aware of veggie and vegan diets and, and, you know, how it affects how people buy clothes and, you know, buy cosmetics and, and where they eat and what they eat and things like that. I think something that kind of put me off it, not so much put me off it, but kind of gave me reasons to, to not pursue it was for years and years and years, uh, we kind of had a family tradition that we'd go to my grandma's house, you know, on a Sunday or, or then it moved to a Tuesday, uh, and she'd make us a big roast, which typically contained, you know, big fat slab of meat, potatoes mashed, obviously, and vegetables. And I kind of saw that as a barrier to, to pursue veganism because I, I didn't want my grandma to think that I didn't appreciate the the kind of family tradition that we we created or that I didn't appreciate the time and effort that she put in to making us that food. Uh, you know, I never wanted to upset her. So I, I think at that stage in my life, I, I chose my grandma's happiness over, over anything else. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll do this for now. And then when my grandma is no longer with us, I'll, I'll pursue a, a vegan diet. But it turns out my grandma is going to outlive us all. And it's funny because when I started to try more vegan and veggie foods, we kind of had a system where I would make something at home and bring it and we'd both eat it. Or another week, I used to do a weekly shop at Tesco. So she'd put me a list and then she'd say, you know, add a few veggie or vegan things for me. So I would, and then she would, she would cook it. And what's funny is that she, well, first of all, my, my grandma is very, very open-minded for her age. You know, she's 89 now, but she's very much a grandma ahead of the times. 
Um, and I, I think I kind of forgot that. Well, no, I didn't forget it. I kind of just chose to ignore it. Um, because I, I thought, you know, yeah, when I was younger, I didn't want to make those changes because I thought I couldn't be bothered. And I didn't know enough about the world to, to care enough to make those changes. It was only when I, I kind of looked into it more and grew up a little bit that I wish I kind of made those changes sooner. But, but, but yeah, my, my grandma, she, she ended up enjoying the food, um, that I made and that she made herself that, that there was veggie or vegan even more than the, the meat that she used to make. Cause she only used to buy those big fat slabs of meat for the family. Um, you know, she, she was never really into it. She'd never, she'd never eat it. It was just for other people. She, she was, um, she lived to serve. And I think when she started to, to have the veggie and vegan thing, she used to finish a plate. I was like, grandma, you finished a plate. I think the first thing, it was just like, um, Linda McCartney sausages or something. And I was like, what? Because the thing with vegan food is that it's, it's kind of a growing, growing trend. And, you know, vegan companies, their motive is not really their motive. The, the, they, they want to make people choose their vegan sausages over the sausages that are just in the other aisle that people have been buying for years. So the, the, the incentive is to make them even tastier than the meat counterpart. And they do that by just shoving loads of herbs and spices and just, just seasoning it you know, to the max. Sometimes it can be too much, but sometimes it just tastes even better because they're putting more effort into it. The meat industry has been going for too many years. And, you know, McDonald's was one of the last um, kind of fast food chains to introduce um, a vegan burger. And it was because they, they know that people will just come and buy their meat. They'll, they'll come and buy the, the, the double cheeseburgers every day. They don't, they don't need to advertise. Um, so that's why vegan food is usually better because they go above and beyond to try and gain your trust that, Hey, vegan food's not that bad. But yeah, I'd say that, that there was a few things that started something in my brain, uh, into thinking, you know, the world is pretty weird in, in, in how we treat animals. I think my first memory would probably be, um, in science in high school, we dissected a frog and one of the students threw up <laughs> yeah he threw up oh no or did he faint he either fainted or he threw up I can't remember and yeah so I remember seeing this frog dissected on this table you know I saw inside of his soul so at the time I turned to my friend Jackson and we said oh man that was horrible let's go vegetarian uh, and we did we went to the to the uh, canteen that very same day and instead of the usual uh what was it i think we used to have a chicken burger uh instead of the usual chicken burger we'd have the veggie option can't remember what it was it was probably rubbish that's why i can't remember uh, and we did it and we thought yes we are vegetarians now that same day i went home to my mom and i said mother i'm vegetarian now so you know don't cook any of this rubbish meat. You know, change your ways, mother. I'm vegetarian and you will make me food as such. And she said, no. 
<laughs> Here's your tea. Probably hot dogs. Here's your tea. Eat it. And I did. And that was the end of my vegetarian career. In hindsight, I, I understand why she did that. I was very, very picky as a child. I don't think I ate a single vegetable until I was in my late teens. I was very picky. I only ate certain things, just processed meat rubbish. Who knows what was in them? So, you know, from my mother's perspective, she probably thought, okay, you're going vegetarian, that's cool. But hang on, hang about. If you're going to be vegetarian, you're probably going to die. And as any good mother would she she would not want her child to die. Um, also, I I have a very obsessive and addictive personality, so I'll I'll set my mind on something, and that's all I will think about and talk about until I'm sick of it. So she probably just thought it was another phase, um, and I get that, mother. Another thing, a big part of my life was my dog Harvey who died a year or two ago, you know, he was such a big part of my life. Um, you know, when I moved out, he moved out with me for a very long time. I dedicated my entire life to, you know, the well-being of this animal. And it just made me think, why have I decided to worship this animal? I, w- I would die for this animal. I would spend my entire life savings on this animal at the vet, which I did on the daily. Maybe not the daily, the monthly. Um, but yet, I, I would kill and eat another animal. It was really weird. I, I didn't really understand it. I guess it didn't affect me enough to make the change back then. But it was something that I, I, I thought about a lot. I think also, around that time, I worked in an office in Manchester and... Every Friday in Manchester City Centre, there used to be a strike. Um, There probably is now, I just don't work in the city as much, but there used to be a big strike. And it was around the time, I think it was around 2019, was when Greta Thunberg was was on the rise. And there was was climate strikes in the city every Friday. And I used to think it was crazy. I'd come out on my lunch and I'd see everyone, so many people, all these young people, you know, protesting the climate emergency and I was so interested in in all these people that are so passionate about this this topic that I thought you know maybe I'll I'll give it a listen and Greta was very much someone who practiced what she preached she was vegan you know she 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 really believed in it and I thought if someone was so passionate about something it's it's definitely worth listening to and and I did and I'm really glad I did but the thing that kind of pushed me the most was when I started my degree at uni. Um, I'm studying wildlife conservation, you know, and at the time I thought wildlife conservation is about saving animals. You know, and that's what I did. I, I quit my job and I thought, right, I'm going to go save the world, <laughs> which was probably naive of me at the time to think that. But that's what I thought. That's what my mindset was at the time. But I soon realized that everyone's a hypocrite. You know, I I studied a module called conservation biology, which is basically the biology of conservation. And I remember sat in this lecture and it was two hours of, we're we're destroying the world. 
And it's because we're using all our land to raise animals to eat. And then and then the rest of the land, we're growing plants. But instead of eating those plants, we're feeding those plants to, to the animals. And because we're using all this land up, we're, we're wrecking the world. You know, it's going down the toilet and we're killing loads of animals at the same time. And I thought, okay, let's just not do that stuff. Easy. Boom. I'll just finish my degree. One of the students said to the lecturer, what are you doing tonight? And he said, oh, I'm having a steak. And I was like, what? what's going on here? Did you, did, did you listen to the words that you just said? It's one of those things people choose to, I don't know, people just choose to, to, to act on, on what they want to act when it suits them. And it's very fortunate that, that we think like that. We're, we're a very selfish, we're a very selfish species. Um, and I just couldn't comprehend why, why, why would you dedicate your life to study and, you know, educate other people about a species to, to then just eat animals? I, I couldn't, oh God, I, I just didn't understand it. I think also I have been very fortunate enough to, to meet some amazing people along the way who've, you know, who've had similar experiences or, or felt the same or were maybe a few steps ahead of me in making changes in their life and were able to, to offer advice in their experiences. And I'm really grateful for that. I think it also comes down to personality, you know, that there, there were many other people in that lecture theatre who would listen to, to the fact that we're killing all these animals and then just not take it in and go to McDonald's on the way home. With me personally, I have a very difficult time dealing with guilt. Um, I feel guilty for a lot of the same things that a lot of other people um, feel guilt for. Um, I just really struggle to cope with the feeling of guilt, and I think that's something that really drives my personality. Um, it can be annoying. I'm really driven by my moral compass. Um, and it, But at the same time, it, it's something that I've grown to, to love about myself which is weird to say, but it's true. My goal for this podcast is to hopefully help both physically and mentally navigate a vegan lifestyle in a world that's filled with animal exploitation. Um, Because even if you're not aware of it, it is everywhere, you know, from the leather in your car to, to you know, not being able to get anything but cow's milk at a local coffee shop or, you know, kind of logistically, you know, you, if you have to plan ahead, uh, if you know you're going to a, a family meal, at a restaurant that you just know has n- nothing but meat and dairy on the menu. It's not so much a guide because I have a lot to learn myself, you know, but we'll tackle everyday situations and topics such as diet and lifestyle, the animals themselves, uh, politics, health, society, the planet, speciesism, as well as criticisms of veganism, because I know there's a lot. So I thought it'd be interesting to, you know, see where they've come from understand why people make the criticisms that they do and we'll talk about why they're all wrong you know the the episodes will be 
a mix of facts as well as my opinions. Hopefully, it should be pretty clear which is which. But like I said, I'm learning. I'm learning how to record a podcast as well. It's a learning experience. We, we love to learn. You know, th- this podcast is also coming from a place where um, I've had a bit of a roller coaster of a year. I recently broke my leg and the the kind of general feeling of frustration that I have with the world of how we treat animals is usually diluted in everyday activities. But because I've been immobile um, for so long, it's this is hopefully a way of channeling that kind of mental frustration that, that, that kind of builds with being isolated from the rest of the world and act as kind of a um, mental health coping mechanism as well, which I think is very important. I think the most important thing in the world ever is to be open-minded. I think a lot of the criticisms of veganism stem from kind of narrow-mindedness, maybe. Uh, A lot of it also comes from the older generation as well, which which I understand because, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of a, a norm in society now that, you know, we have to respect the older generation because they've lived a lot longer than us, they've experienced more things, they've learned more lessons, and we should take the opportunity to gain from that. And it, it makes sense. I, I've taken advice from people older than me and I've also given advice to people younger than me you know every experience that that you have in your life is something to learn from and sometimes you can feel entitled to 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 pass down the things that you've learned even though it, people never listen you know you, you never listen to your parents uh when you're a kid and when you have a kid they won't listen to you it's just how it works i suppose we have to make our own mistakes and I guess that's true in a sense, but I think a big thing that kind of the older generation may not consider is how much the world changes over time. My second cousin is currently at the high school that I was at 10 years ago. Now, to say that she will have the exact same experience as me is wrong. Think about how much the world has changed in just a decade, you know, the, the influence of social media, how, how just social norms in, in general have changed, you know, she, she wouldn't necessarily benefit from the advice that I could give her. I could potentially benefit from, from advice that she could give me. So that's only a 10-year gap. You know, I think about 10, 20, 30, 40 years, it's a, it's a big change. And I think that's something that we should all, you know, think about. When I was uh, at the age that my second cousin is now, my sister was not able to marry her wife because gay marriage wasn't legalized then. You know, when my parents were in school, sexual assault within a marriage was legal. You know, a man could rape his wife and there'd be no kind of legal repercussions to that. You know, think about how much morals change over just a short period of time you know, it's something to consider when, when, when you criticize things like this. Also, in terms of how quickly time has changed, the population has doubled 
since 1980. You know, it's only 40 years and the whole of the human population has doubled. How crazy is that? Honestly, sometimes I think of these things and I just think, why is everyone's heads not just exploding? Why are we just going about our day? And the, right, to put it in perspective, humans as a species only left Africa 100,000 years ago, okay? There were no other humans in the world 100,000 years ago. Humans only went to New Zealand 700 years ago. How mental is that? Think about how evolved the country of New Zealand is now. You know, people only set foot on, on that land 700 years ago. And now the population has doubled in 40 years. That exponential growth is is incredible. Um, so think about it from a, a vegan standpoint. When my parents were my age, there were half as many people on the planet as there is now. That's half the amount of cows that are needed, half the amount of land that's needed to produce the food for, for, for the population. The exponential growth in animal agriculture is not, we're not able to support that exponential growth. And, you know, it's just going to keep going up and up and up and up and up. We're, we're expected to hit like 10 billion people by 2050. And even though the world can cope with that growth, the current systems in place can't handle that pressure. It's just something to think about. I remember listening to a podcast by a band called Stick to Your Guns. They said that they they would argue veganism until the last breath. Okay, very, very passionate because it's, it's something that he genuinely believes in. And he said he would only not do that when he's with someone who whose genuine moral compass you know is is the is the exact contradiction of, of his own for example i would say killing someone else for my own benefit is wrong and if your response is i would happily kill someone for my own benefit there's clearly a divide in in your moral conscience there so you you can't you can't really argue that if you genuinely believe that but at the, at the same time i think it's really important to not take that standpoint of this is what i believe and you you can't change my mind i think it's incredibly arrogant to think like that you know it's like i was saying about the 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 kind of generation gap the generation of today has a lot to offer and i think it's very risky for the kind of the older generation to think that there's nothing left to learn the, the world is constantly evolving. The kind of speed of change in society's morals as, as well as the, 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 the climate and it's incredible. But it's, it's like them, them people who say, you know, oh, it's my right to kill an animal. Is it? Is it your right to take the life of someone who, who doesn't consent to it? Let's say, okay, I think it's my right to go into people's houses and chop the tails off people's cats. It's my right. There's nothing you can do about it. I I like to go and buy hamsters and blend them up and put them in my pillow because it's very soft, cushiony material. You know, you wouldn't say that. And the, the reason that sounds so extreme, as opposed to if I said about killing a cow, is because... As a society, we've assigned different value to different animals. 
in biology, there's something called scala notoria, I think it's pronounced. It's basically the, the nature ladder, and it's how we've organized things in the natural world. And, it, and it's like a evolution ladder. So at the top is God, right? God is at the top. And then humans, and then different animals, and then at the bottom it's like insects and plants and soil and stuff. And it's a very anthropogenic viewpoint in that we think that the more intelligent a species is, the more evolved it is. But, but, but it's not. Every species is as evolved as the next. In the grand scale of things, humans have not been around for very long. You know, think about the dinosaurs. You know, the, the dinosaurs were around for 165 million years. Um, and they've been extinct for now 65 million years on the same planet that that we live on today, you know, and like I said before, we've only left Africa a hundred thousand years ago. Well, they just got here, you know, think about, think about sharks. Sharks are still here. They've been around for about 450 million years or something stupid like that. Um, and, and yet we kill, we kill about, we kill like a million sharks a year or something, um, for flipping fish, uh, fin soup. We're terrible. It's like I said that the value that we assign to, to other species is, is disproportionate to, to one another. And I think it's important to realize that we can't put ourselves above another because we're a little bit smarter. We, we wouldn't accept that in our own society. So it's important to extend those values to another animal. We can't do everything, but everyone can do something. Thanks for listening.